What's fascinating is when you when you were saying that in terms of just back in the 1850s, just the seed of just an idea or a concept, a wrong one, how that had this ripple effect. And so now it makes me feel that, okay, well, if we can plant, you know, a new seed or a new idea, which is, you know, this idea of cooperation, the future can be changed of just an idea and a story that we actually give ourselves a story which is true, which is empowering. I guess it's just a story which you believe and you actually act on. And we've been acting on completely the wrong story all this time. This is the thing, Duncan, right now we're writing a new human story. Mm. And the bottom line is we don't have the time of generations to complete this story. It's being written right now. And you're seeing it play out. You see where the old ideas, uh, for example, of solving problems between nations. Those ideas are breaking down. It's breaking down between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Uh, it's breaking down in Syria. It's breaking down in Russia and, and the what's happening uh, in the you know the Eastern European countries. It's breaking down uh, between China and Japan. It's breaking down in Africa. It's breaking down in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those are examples. These old ideas that have been imposed on on a world that changed so they, they no longer fit and you're seeing some when it was very interesting when bruce and i were at the united nations there are actually there's there's not one un there are united nations within united nations and there are old school ways of thinking and there is a, a new generation of younger people who have a very different way of thinking and they're doing this in in the un it's not like you know they're they're going through their evolution uh, coming into this new normal. So as we begin to see that, well, we're already seeing that these old ideas aren't working, there is more of a willingness to embrace the new discoveries. That was what Bruce and I, that was our message when we went uh, and, and had the conversation. And we're not the only ones. There are other other people out there. But here's the thing. A lot of the, the bona fide scientists, Duncan, they simply did not have a platform. They don't, they're not well-known authors. They're mm -hmm. not public speakers. They're brilliant, dedicated women and men who have devoted their entire lives to unraveling the mysteries of the universe. And once they unravel those mysteries, they say, you know, who do I tell? How, how do I share this? So they got, uh, they got the peer-to-peer -peer, like magazines, but it doesn't have the whole megaphone of, say, C CNN or Fox News actually getting it out to the mainstream. So it's like, OK, a small internal group of people know about it, but it hasn't been able to filter through to the masses. Well, well sure. And, and once you have the discovery, it, it's... It's not enough to have the discovery. How does that discovery apply in my life, in my living room, with my family every day? What does that discovery mean to me? Mm. And this is where and I want to say, uh, and I use this example a lot, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, and myself, we are, we've been friends for many years. We are colleagues. Uh, we are all now working with the same publisher, uh, Hay House Publishing. Because Hay House has asked us as scientists to come in and bring this very empowering message to an audience that typically uh, is not drawn to science. So while we are scientists, uh, I believe and I've dedicated my adult life to, to the belief that we can take a scientific message and share it in a very accessible way. Mm. Because the, the truth is science is simple. Nature is simple until we make it complex with big words and mathematics. And you, you need that if you're going to engineer, if you're going to build a gadget, you know, you're going to build a, a, a physics time machine or you're going, to, you're going to engineer a DNA splicer, you need the math and, and that language. 
but to share the ideas. The ideas are very, very simple. And, and we now have pilot programs with young people. I have one program I do. Um, I have no children of my own, so I'm not good with ages. But the uh, <laughs> let's see, they're second. So we have a program that we've done with second graders. So they are eight and nine years old. Um, very high level, a lot of pictures, uh, less than an hour because of the attention span. But it gets the idea across that we are connected uh, to our own bodies. We're connected to one another and cooperation. That, that these young people live in a world where nature likes them, which is a very different way of thinking than in a world where you have to be afraid at every turn that nature is out, this, this force is out to, to get you. Dog you know, that's eat a dog, very, survive of the fittest, yeah, every exactly, man for themselves. So then there's an, another class that we offer to the middle school, uh, and they allow us to do it over a, a course of, of two consecutive days. Then there's another class uh, that we've done to high school seniors, and they're graduating senior class. And the books, my books, that are based on this information that have been around for 15 years now, are now required reading in university-level physics classes uh, in places in Canada and pilot programs here in the States as well. So this is a, it goes to show an idea. That, so one book is called The Divine Matrix. Uh, I wrote that book in 2007, and it was considered a fringe science book. It was a little ahead of the curve. Now the concepts have become mainstream, and it is an accepted science book required reading in the physics classes. And that's, you know, that's the way the way information works. Our world is changing so fast, however. Both Joe and Bruce Lipton and myself, we all made a conscious choice. And I, I can't speak for them with you now, but I'm sharing with you in our audience conversations that Joe and Bruce and I have had. We could have stayed in the scientific world and written white papers uh, about what we believe and what we've discovered. And we circulate that in some tech journal. And no one sees it except the people reading the tech journal. And all three of us opted to go mainstream, to go public. Uh, and by doing that, we have actually less credibility in the scientific community now because we're mixing science and everyday living and spirituality in, in some respects. But probably more so Bruce Lipton and, and myself. I mean, the minute I, I began talking about spirituality and science, my scientific reputation went right out the door. <laughs> But it's, you know, but it's okay because my last day, my last day on this planet, when I look back, am I going to feel better if I wrote a white paper that made it into a magazine that a few really brilliant minds read? Or am I going to feel better if I shared well-researched, well-documented, peer-reviewed discoveries that change the fundamental way that we think of ourselves and our bodies in the world in a healthy way, in an empowering way to help my global family meet the needs and the changes of the, the new normal. And my answer was the latter. So, uh, so my books are based upon peer reviewed science and where I deviate from that, you know, I'll say, I'll say, this is my personal opinion about the science. And I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that. Uh, so it, it's a little bit different approach and it all works beautifully. You know, the scientists are out there doing their work we're doing our work. I believe that we owe it to ourselves to draw upon every iota of information, ancient, modern, uh, everything that we have at our fingertips to weave it, Duncan, into a wisdom that is greater than the science can be all by itself.
or that a spiritual practice can be all by itself or that that one way of thinking can be all by itself because we don't live in that world we owe it to ourselves to draw upon everything and in a way that is kind in a way that's honest and truthful and factual weave that into the new human story then we don't have to worry about our time of extremes we don't have to worry about when the world changes because we know we're empowered and resilient to those changes and that to me that's the bottom line as we embrace the deepest truths of our existence we become resilient to the changes in life so personal changes i mean everyone i know is going through personal changes relationships are shifting some of them are ending some of them are taking new forms intimate relationships couples husbands wives partnerships friendships the relationships people have had with their jobs and with their corporations suddenly they say you know i i can do that job but i'm drawn to do something more to to give to contribute something more i, I can't tell all over the world it's not just the uk or the states it's all over the world people are feeling this so so i think this is the key the better we know ourselves the better equipped we are uh to deal with whatever life brings our way what does a fulfilled life mean to you can I take a minute? And I want to answer this really well. Okay, go for it. 1986, I was in the corporations and I was told that I had to make a choice between science and spirituality. I was told they were mutually incompatible uh, and I had to make that choice. I took some time off and I took a trip to Egypt and I climbed to the top of Mount Sinai at sunset because I am deeply moved by the power of beauty. Beauty has always been a very important force. It is a force in my life. In the presence of beauty, I'm changed. I'm, I'm open. So on the top of that mountain at sunset, those last rays of sun coming over the naked desert, the Sinai desert, in the presence of that beauty, this feeling welled up within me. And I asked myself a question, Duncan, that I'd never asked before. I said, if, if for some reason I left this world right now, I, don't, I didn't want to leave, but if I died in that moment and I could never come back to this world and I look back upon everything that I had ever accomplished or shared or given or contributed or received, would I feel complete? That was my question. Before I even finished that question, this warmth welled up inside of me and this, this voice was screaming, no, no, I wouldn't feel complete. And my next question, I think, is the answer to your question. My next question was, what would I need to change in my life to be able to say yes? What changes do I need in my life to say that I am fulfilled, that I would feel complete? And my answer to that question became my soul compass. It became the cornerstone uh, by which I gauge every opportunity and every request that has crossed my path since 1986. Because I'm inundated with really beautiful, heartfelt invitations to do a film, do a movie, write a book, do a tour. They're all good. But which ones help me get closer to my yes? And if they don't, I may decline those. So where am I right now? If I left this world today, would I feel complete? I still wouldn't feel complete, but I, I have to tell you, and fulfilled. I am closer, much closer than I was in 1986. And it was with that knowing, that knowing became my point of reference. This is the key. When you're on top of a mountain at sunset, there's no diversions, no distractions uh, on the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. What becomes very clear right there, when you get on a plane and you come back to Denver, Colorado, and you walk into a defense corporation in the middle of the Cold War, 
That's a long ways away. It's a million miles away. It feels like a dream. But what I know is what happened to me there was true and it was real. And it became my point of reference, my rock for me to hang on to. And it was based upon that rock that I made the choice to leave the corporations in a really healthy way. Uh, with a very smooth transition, I was very honest with everyone about why I was leaving. Uh, and it was actually, a, a, I had security clearance at that time. And usually if you say that you're leaving with a security clearance, they'll revoke your passwords and they walk you out the door that minute. I was the exception. They allowed me to transition for six months. They trusted me with all the security, all the passwords. I trained the new people that would take my place and, and do the things I was doing. And I left on really good terms and, and with a really in a good way. As my native friends say it's, it's, it happened in a good way. So for me, the idea of fulfillment, uh, and I'm going to invite our listeners, if you've never done this before, don't do it. Please don't do it while you're driving or operating heavy machinery, okay? But if you've never done this before, ask yourself the question in a quiet place, go into your heart. Don't ask your brain. Touch your heart center gently and allow your awareness to go into your heart. New discoveries tell us that our heart has about 40,000 specialized cells that are called sensory neurites that are like brain cells in the heart. And they think and they feel and they remember independently of the cranial brain. So you are literally asking a brain in your heart. Ask the question. And I talk about this in all my books, the book Resilience of the Heart. If you'd like specific instructions, it'll tell you that. But ask yourself, if I left, if I left the world today, be very clear, you don't want to leave, but if... If you left the world today and you could never come back and you look back on everything you've done up into this moment, would you feel complete? And you'll get an answer just like that before you even finish the question. And if your answer is no, if you say I'm not complete, <clears throat> ask your heart, what is it that I can change in my life right now in this moment? What can I change so that I'm closer to my yes and allow that to be your soul compass? For every relationship, every choice, every decision. And I think that is the key to a fulfilled life. What a great Long answer. answer short <laughs> <laughs> How can people find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? You know, this, uh, I want to say we're celebrating anniversary. This is 2017. It is the 31st year that I've offered. I'm in my 60s now. 31st year I've offered this work in, in one form or another. Uh, and my library of that work uh, is at the website, www.gregbraden.com. It's G-R-E-G-G, -G, two Gs. That means I'm not a Gregory. I'm, I'm just a Greg. Gregbraden.com. Uh, it'll have all the upcoming events worldwide. Uh, this year, we're booking into 2018, 2019 right now. You'll see all of those there, uh, the existing library of books and, and some, uh, some very cool official authorized videos not the bootleg videos that are on youtube right now <laughs> greg this has been absolutely fascinating i'm gonna straight after i get off this call i'm gonna do that exercise that you just said at the end um really? and yeah it's, it's been completely eye-opening and just fascinating talking to you so i really appreciate you taking the time i know you've got a hectic crazy day ahead of you so i uh, appreciate you taking the time for for me so i appreciate it you know but i want to tell you this is important uh, and what you do is important, and I want to tell you how much I appreciate this this platform, Duncan, because I, I I travel the world, and the freedoms that we take for granted right now, such as the freedom to be able to have this conversation and to talk about the things that we're talking about, those freedoms simply do not exist 
in a number of places on this planet. So I know that we kind of know that, but I, I just want to consciously uh, say to you, thank you for the work you're doing and let you know how much I appreciate our time together. Uh, I, I'm realizing I talked way more than you did, and I, I apologize. <laughs> I loved it, honestly. It was, but, it, it was story time for me. I could sit back and listen. It's all good. But, but what you're doing, uh, this is very, very important. It would be at any time, but especially now, because we are living our time of extremes, and we are empowered to thrive, to thrive, not to survive, but thrive in these extremes. The key is we've got to answer the question, who am I as an individual? Who are we? There's a lot of us here. Who are we collectively? So thank you for helping me to share uh, a message to answer that question a little bit in the time we had together today. Thank you. I appreciate those, uh, those kind words. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, we're going to have to get you back on in the future. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. See you later. <laughs> Take care. Catch you later.